<laughs> I, keep, I don't know why I've been talking about this book on Patreon and I keep calling it the Nightmare Club and I, I don't know why. It's a uh, Midnight Club. I keep calling it the, the Midnight Hour. I, there's so. something about this freaking title. I don't I don't understand. It should be easy. <laughs> Hi, my name is Cameron and I am the host of Library Macabre on YouTube. And spoiler alert, today Dustin and I will be talking about Christopher Pike's the Midnight Club in its upcoming television adaption coming up next. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dustin Can Read, another adaptation edition. Again, um, I will explain uh, the these stories we're going to be doing are you, are older books, pre two thousands mostly, and they're just now being adapted into TV, television series and movies now. And since they are already popular and they've been covered by a lot of podcasts over and over, I'm not going to do the whole breakdown and the plot synopsis thing. I mean, we'll give a little bit of a plot synopsis, but we're not going to do a recap with commentary as much as we're going to kind of break down what we think is going to happen in these new um, film or, you know, to screen adaptations of these books. So this time we are going through Christopher Pike's The Midnight Club. <laughs> I almost said The Midnight Hour. I don't know why I want to keep saying that. But that's okay. And today I am here with Cameron Chaney from Library Macabre and the author of Autumn Crow, as you may remember. Hey, Cameron. How hey, you how's it going? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, so since Cameron does like really focus on the horror genre, and this is this is actually a new um, realm of the horror genre for me, I guess, because I've never read any Christopher Pike before. This is the first and only Christopher Pike that I have read, although I have read up on him a little bit and some of the books and stories he's put out. So I wanted to talk to you, Cameron, because you know so much about the horror genre and you you do have your booktube channel and you talk a lot about it. And, you know, I know you love YA and I know you love middle grade and I know you love everything, you know. So I figured all this encompassed together. It'd be fun to talk to you about, um, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little rambly right now. Uh, so Cameron, how many Christopher Pike books do you think you've read in your lifetime? In my lifetime, it's hard to say exactly because I read a few of his books when I was a kid. Um, there's the Spooksville series, which is his middle grade series, kind of like Goosebumps, but it takes place in one town. And there are like 25 books in that series or something crazy. And I remember reading a handful of them, but I can't remember how many. So there were probably like, I'd say eight or 10 of those that I read. And then I read a couple of his point horror titles like Slumber Party and Weekend. And as for his other books, like The Midnight Club, I can't remember if I ever read any of these. So. Okay. I'm familiar with with a handful of his work, but the ones that he is most known for, like The Midnight Club, I've not read yet. Well, now I have, but <laughs> before <laughs> this episode, I had never read. So I, Cameron thinks he's a slow excuse. reader. I am the slow reader. Out of the two of us, he is the slow reader. I mean, I am the slow reader. Excuse me. I am the slow reader, and you just suck up books. like, <laughs> like just, I, a, I feel like I'm a very slow reader, but the, I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> Well, you probably, well, you've been reading for so long and I took such a long break. I just got to catch up. That's all. <laughs> That's yeah, just how it is. There's a lot to read. All yes, the time. there is. 
Yes, definitely there is. The Midnight Club. Um, I'm going to read the... You, you know what? I want you to read the back of the book. I think you'd be the better person. You have the better voice for it. Read the back of the book for it so we can find out what this thing's about. All right. Here we go. The uh, tagline is, They were all going to die. Rotterham House was a hospice for young people, a place where teenagers with terminal illnesses went to die. Nobody who checked in ever checked out. It was a place of pain and sorrow, but also, remarkably, a place of humor and adventure. At the hospice was a group of five young men and women who called themselves the Midnight Club. Every night at twelve, they met and told each other stories. Tales of intrigue and horror of life and death, true stories, made-up stories, and stories that fell somewhere in between. But one night, in the middle of a particularly scary story, these five people make a pact with each other that says that the first one of them who dies is to make every effort to contact the others from beyond the grave. Then one of them does die, and the story begins. The most wonderful story. The most horrible. Dun, dun, dun. Spooky. Yeah, that, that gives a, a kind of a good startup description. Pretty, pretty much the first half of the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say I was very surprised by this book. I've Same. never read, like I said, never read Christopher Pike. I didn't know what I was expecting. Wasn't this. <laughs> no way. And I mean, even the even the synopsis, it kind of makes you feel like what you're getting is going to be like a spooky ghost story. And that's not what you get. <laughs> you get a lot of existential crisis is what you get. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just woo. But we'll get we'll get into that in a second. Um, so basically I have say about May 6th of 2020. Um, I know that I read it on stashfilm.com. It was announced that Mike Flanagan and, uh, Leah Fong, the ones who helmed Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor on Netflix, they are going to be developing the Midnight Club as a television series for Netflix. But what they did, they announced when they announced this, they said, Hey, just get ready. All your favorite Christopher Pike stories. And that made me go, what? I'd never, like I said, novice here, Christopher Pike, but I was very interested because if this was going to come out and a lot of, a lot of people were going to be talking about it, I need to brush up on my Christopher Pike. <laughs> yeah. So I looked into this book in particular and like what the description just, you know, relayed to us, they tell a lot of scary stories at midnight every night. So obviously this is going to be some kind of anthology, most likely based on that description. We'll get into that later, but this is what it seems like. It's going to be an anthology of sorts. I don't know how, but we'll get into that later. Apparently Mike Flanagan was a really big Christopher Pike fan. Like he was really looking forward to it. And uh, I mean, just me personally, after reading this book, I don't know how anybody would have thought, let's turn this into a series. <laughs> it was, I can see how it can be a series, but it wouldn't be my first choice to go. Let's turn this one into a series. <laughs> I can see why I could see why Mike Flanagan would want to do this because his his stuff's always been really kind of melancholic, full of that existential dread. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty on brand for him. It's going to be hard to translate, though, I think. Well, from what I understand, yeah, it would totally be like one of the haunting of (laughs) 
shows, it seems like, or it's going to be the teenage version of it in a way, um, which would be kind of interesting, I think. Um, another thing um, I figured out that Intrepid Pictures is going to be the production company behind it. Um, they tweeted something about it actually the other day, which, you know, as for those of you who don't know, we're recording this in December, but this was on December 23rd. They, they tweeted out, hey, get ready for your first, you know, favorite Christopher Pike books. We're bringing them to Netflix kind of thing. And I thought that was interesting. And they actually gave us a hint of some stuff to come. But Did they? Yeah, see? Missing stuff. Great. I know. So, okay, let's get into this plot synopsis a little bit. So we have, like, the Midnight Club, right? We have these five kids that who all go to – they all live in this hospice in um in you know upstate Washington I guess the seaside it's an old seaside manor that was owned by this billionaire who so of course they made it this whole cool mansion it's on this you know this the cliffs I'm assuming you know and and it's just cool you know you just you can just see it being really eerie and nice and just you know ominous and these kids meet every night at midnight in this in the study that their their doctor loaned to them because he wants them to have a you know a group a social group and they meet they each come up with scary stories or most of the time it's scary stories, but I don't think it has to be. And uh, it's very much like, if you think about it, a very much grown up midnight society. <laughs> it's, it's basically that <laughs> um, except these stories are a little more dismal, <laughs> a little, a little more mature, just a little bit, just a scotch. So, and very sexually charged. Oh my God. I was not expecting this. I was like, this is, this is not a young adult book. This is a new adult book. <laughs> new adult. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a new thing now. Apparently it's all about new adults. And Yeah. The new adult thing, it came about a few years ago and I remember it being everywhere. And then I remember never hearing about it ever again. So. Well, apparently it's still going. I've been seeing it on Twitter. People, I was like, what's an NA? I don't know what an NA is. And that, Oh, new adult. Okay. Everybody who's college age, I guess that's basically, I mean, it's the only thing I can think of. All these kids are 17 or 18 years old anyway. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I said it was new adult. New adult. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting this, you know, these types of characters. I wasn't expecting the, I don't know why I read the back of this book and I don't, it says a hospice for young people. I don't know why they didn't register in my head that these kids were all terminally ill patients <laughs> until I started reading the book. It just blocked out of my mind. And I was like, Wow. Wow. Okay. And each one had a different type of cancer. And I just thought it was very strange. Um, So yeah, the whole plot synopsis, like we spoke before, they meet, they end up making a pact to, you know, make, give the others a sign if one of them dies first, and then somebody dies, and then it goes on and it snowballs from there. I don't really want to get into it too much because you know what? Most of the time, these people have read this book. <laughs> there's a ton of podcasts talking about the whole plot breakdown of the book. We're not going to get into all of that because there's a lot to dive into. <laughs> and uh, the main thing I want to talk about is how we think this is going to play out on the screen. I think it'd be kind of neat to see. So in saying that, what do we want to see on the screen? So what are our favorite things, the favorite stories, the favorite characters and the favorite scenes from the book that, we saw that, you know, we'd like to see actually play out. You go first. All right. Well, um, 
There's a really good line that I like at the beginning of each of their meetings where they'll all come up to each other, give each other a hug and say, I belong to you or something just kind of like, I don't know. It was just kind of sad. It's kind Um, of peaceful in a way. Yeah. uh, It's got this like bittersweetness where it's these, this group of kids who are all completely different and yet they're all struggling with a very similar thing is in that they're dying. (laughs) So they have this one thing that unites them. And I just, I really like that line of, I belong to you. It kind of reminds me of the haunting of Bly Manor. I don't know if you've watched that yet, Dustin. I have not. Um, There's a, there's a line in that where I don't want to spoil anything, uh, but it's, it's, it's been out for a while. uh, Well, honestly, I can't remember the full line off the top of my head either, but uh, it's like, um, uh, I, what is it? I'm going to look it up real quick. <laughs> Cause I want to get it right. All right. I found it. So the line is it's you, it's me, it's us. So it's kind of like a, uh, a uniting of sorts. And I just feel like that's a really cool line. I'd like to see them include that. It's a small thing, but, uh, it would be just one of those really cool little details. Um, I'm really curious to see how they're going to do the stories that the kids tell. Yeah. If they do them at all, um, I was thinking it would be kind of cool if each of the kids stories in the show is another Christopher Pike book. Yeah. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. I I figured that was probably going to happen. Like they would probably, they probably will use some of those stories that are in the book. Because mm-hmm. they are pretty fleshed out stories for the yeah. most part. I mean, they can, you know, they can put a little more into there. I'm sure, you know, more description or a little more circumstance can go into the situations that they tell. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think <laughs> it's probably going to be focused on one story, an episode, rather than each one of them tell multiple stories, you know, in one sitting. They might. We might get like the tail end of a story and then a full story or something like that. Kind of like what they did on Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, it's just one story per episode, but then there's going to be this underlying story about them, the actual storytellers, the kids that we're going to see, which I think it's going to be this book spread out kind of in a way. That's what I was thinking, too. That's the most I can say about that. But I really want to see these stories that they tell, especially um, I mean, I would love we're definitely going to see Ilonka. We're going to get into the character. We're going to definitely see her backstory and her, you know, Mm -hmm. dreams and whatnot. But there was there's quite a few that are really kind of disturbing, especially Spence's. Because yeah. his are all about like mass murder. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that. Yeah. I'm thinking I, uh, we might get some tail end to that because that's probably a really too sensitive subject nowadays to really be talking about. But. Yeah, I put a tab in my book actually because I marked the spot where he's talking about a shooting and I was like, I don't know if we're gonna be able to do this on I know it's <laughs> a called Netflix Eddie takes show. a step out. Yeah. And it's with this guy named Eddie who's a Vietnam vet and he's all messed up and he gets on the top of the Eiffel Tower with this kidnaps his ex-girlfriend and starts shooting people and he's going to use her as a human shield and it's all kinds of messed up. Yeah. All kinds of messed up. Man. Oof. But there were some that I really liked. I liked the Dana and Devil. Dana and the Devil, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that, that was, was really cool. Favorite. Yeah. The one where she gets split in two and then she can yeah. experience both the wild side and the, you know, that was Anya's story, right? Yes. That was Anya's story. Anya's my favorite. Um, and then, you know, of course the magic mirror was kind of neat, but it was kind of, it was neat. It was kind of a bittersweet story. It, I thought it was going to go one way, then it went another way, and it, but it was still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. 
What I really want to go into is the the cast of characters we have. And um, what we have is we have uh, this the, the main girl, which is the final girl, I guess you want to say for this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Technically is. Elonka um, <laughs> Pollock, which she's a, a, a Polish girl, obviously. That's another name. But at the same time, what I found funny was that like for like most of the first half of the book, each chapter like kept reintroducing her full name to us. <laughs> Elonka Pollock did this. Elonka Pollock did that. <laughs> I'm like, well, crap. Did we not know this girl's name by now? <laughs> Christopher, are you trying to convince us that this is actually her name and she's not an alias? What's going on here? <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess teen readers back in the 90s uh, weren't used to Polish names or something. So they had to Apparently drill not. it in. <laughs> her name's Elonka Pollock. Damn it. Remember that. <laughs> so yeah well, let's start off with her so Alonka is our main character she's the one we follow throughout the book mainly it's not first person narrative but she's mainly the one we're looking through the eyes of and I don't know I was trying to figure out who could be cast as her from like the youthful teen or young 20s actors and actresses of today who can be these characters and the first person I thought of simply from the description and just kind of I don't know mental image in my head was which you're gonna probably cringe when i say this is the main girl from the new craft movie okay she has the short hair and she's the loner okay. and i just kind of see her, this this she seems like she would be the type to be like a fragile type but also kind of a kick-ass you know dominant type and i think Alonka's kind of in in between like that mm-hmm. i think she's, she balances between you know being dominant and submissive in a way yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> no, no, I know exactly what you mean, though. It's a good, and actually, a good way of putting it. She is her uh, name is um, Kaylee Spaney. I think her name is yeah. It's S P A E N Y. Is it Spaney from the Craft Legacy? Okay. Yeah i I had no idea who to cast as her. That's why I was like, I <laughs> I have no idea. I do have ideas for Anya, but I have no idea who I would cast. Oh yeah, here let's go for Anya. So Anya is the girl who's missing a leg. She's in a wheelchair. Yeah, she's probably the most bitter out of all of them, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so who do you think should be cast as Anya? Anya Zimmerman. Well, on the cover of the book, uh, I believe Anya is the one on the far right. She's the blonde in the pink robe because you can see her wheelchair a little bit out of the corner. Um, okay. And I was thinking, since this is a Mike Flanagan production, uh, he likes to cast Victoria Pedretti. She was uh, Nell in Haunting of Hill House. She was Danny and Haunting of Bly Manor. I think she's a fen- phenomenal actress. And I think she would be really, really good as Anya. For if he one. doesn't keep her in the next Haunting show. <laughs> well, apparently they're not going to go on with the Haunting series. Apparently uh, Bly Manor was the last one. I hope oh. they do continue because I loved it. But uh, so far, it seems like they're not going to. But I think she looks a lot like the character on the cover. And also, it would be really interesting to see her playing somebody who's kind of bitter, um, but also has this, she's got this fragile side to her anyway, the actress does. And I think Anya in a way, she just, I don't know anything about her. She has this vulnerability and this kind of, I don't know, like this longing in her eyes and you don't know what she's longing for, but it's just there like this earnest look on her face. I can't even describe it. And I just think she would portray Anya really well. 
kind of that haunting stare off kind of yeah. thing that Anya seems to do a lot. Yeah, this yearning that she has. Yeah, to be whole, literally. Again. Yeah, yeah. That's really sad, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I watched Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor, and I always just like connected to her. There's just something yeah. about her. Like, it doesn't matter what she's playing. There's just, you can just connect to her. You can just feel what she's feeling. And I just think if she were to play Anya, I'd probably cry my eyes out. Well, I have a different route for Anya. Um, okay. I actually have two people. And one of them is only because I saw her in a wheelchair in another show before, or at least a part of it, um, which was Joey King. She was on The Act on Hulu, right. where the, yeah. you know, um, Patricia Arquette's her mom mm-hmm. and pretending that she's sick and she get you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I figured, hey, maybe she could be, you know, because mm-hmm. she seems to have some kind of crazy eyes going on. Yeah. Um, but also, since you said blonde as well, and I also thought about that, I thought, what about somebody like Sabrina Carpenter. I don't know if you know Sabrina Carpenter. She was basically the Sean of girl meets world. <laughs> she oh, was the best friend. Okay. Uh, maybe somebody like her. She's kind of a badass, you know, but she can, I think she can play vulnerable really well as well. Okay. Um, she's a singer, you know, so she's, you know, she's, she performed a lot. And I think that part of Anya is very much performance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a lot yeah. of it's put on, she's mean, but she's not really that mean and cold. It's all a cover up. Thing. Yeah. So I thought maybe, you know, maybe that. I don't know. Kind of seemed like that way. Um, the next role I was thinking about was uh, Kevin, which is Ilanka's love interest, the one she pines for throughout the whole book, who's, you know, also got leg problems, apparently. And there isn't much about him, but just from his demeanor and the way, I don't know, just the way he is, the first image that popped in my head is Joshua Bassett from um, High School Musical, the musical of the series. Okay. He's basically the Zac Efron type character, like the main lead guy. And um, I just think, I don't know, he just seems like Kevin would be kind of dreamy in a way, but just kind of normal guy dreamy, just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, like lay your head on his shoulder type of take care of me type of guy, but not a big burly person, obviously, because they're all, you know, <laughs> sickly and skinny. But uh, I just think he would play that part pretty well. I don't know. Do you have anybody in mind? Not for Kevin. Like you said, there's not really much about him. Really, anybody could play him, and I would be like, yeah, that's that's cool. I, I would just, you know, I'd like it to be a good actor. Um, but otherwise, like, I don't, I don't really mind who plays him. Um, really, I don't have any ideas for the rest. Um, <laughs> just as well, long as you, as long as they're good actors, like, I don't mind. Well, I get you. I hear you. Yeah, I've struggled with some of these people, too. Like one person I thought of, like Spence Haywood, who could play him? And I wanted to go against type, against a typical person that would play him. And I went, but then I also kind of went, all right. How about Caleb McLaughlin? Lucas from Stranger Things. Oh, okay. I think he could play kind of a doofus type of character, but optimistic. And but also there's something hidden underneath. Like, I think he could do that. He's kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. He's stretched a little bit more in each season of Stranger Things, and he's been in a few movies here and there. I think he could do it. Yeah. He's already a Netflix star, too, so that helps since it's going to be a He's Netflix already in the family. Star. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they already got him. Yep. They probably have him under contract, too, you know, just like probably. first look kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, Another person I thought would just be kind of fun, I put Octavia Spencer as Nurse Schrader. <laughs> the one who hands out all the pills and whatnot. Uh-huh. 
I don't know why. She just seems like that. She has that no nonsense type attitude. And I just see Octavia Spencer's like that kind of grimace she makes. Yeah. <laughs> she looks at somebody up and down like, mm hmm. Uh, Octavia Spencer can be good in absolutely anything. So yes. if they have her in it, then yes. I mean, even if I wasn't familiar with the Midnight Club and I wasn't interested in watching it, if it had Octavia Spencer, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it just because she's in it. <laughs> And there's other characters and stuff like the side characters. You got Dr. White, who I just see as like a Santa Claus type of person. I don't, it can be anybody generic. Just like an that. old guy. But um, Sandra Cross, which is another yeah. character of the Midnight Club, who we find out later on in the book was misdiagnosed and did not have the terminally ill cancer that she thought she had. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also the one who kind of keeps to herself. She seems a little snobby. Yeah. Um, like she wants to be part of the club, but she doesn't want to tell the stories like she's too good to do it or something. Mm-hmm. And she's a redhead. So the first thought I went to was Madeline Petch. I can't say you say her name. She played Cheryl Blossom in Riverdale. Oh, okay. And I kind of see her as that character. That bitchiness a little bit, but there's mm-hmm. also some vulnerability and reservedness. Yeah. You know, she's also got some good comedic chops because there's that one scene where she gets drunk and it's kind of funny, but right. Yeah, she uh, her character like again. There's really not much to her, but it's almost on purpose. Is it's that she doesn't belong, even when she's there in the group. She it's she like, knows she doesn't belong. Yeah, and it's like they all know, and they don't know why exactly. It's because she was misdiagnosed. That's kind of shitty. <laughs> I know, but I wonder it's if she's going to sue or what. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they're they're all dying, and it's like a part of them just kind of knows that she's in the wrong place. But they just let her hang around because she has nowhere else to be. Right. Which is kind of nice, you know. I just felt like there's something, considering this was always, like, put out, like, to me as a thriller of sorts, I thought, oh, Sandra's up to something. <laughs> She's the only one. Something's going to happen. Nothing came of that at all. She just gets to leave early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lucky. So the last person that I want to talk about is the master. Because... Ilanka keeps having these dreams slash flashbacks of her reincarnated self back in the day. And it's, there's this guy, he's the master. He seems kind of Jesus like, Mm -hmm. um, and apparently she's his mother at some point. It's really strange. (laughs) I can't really tell if they're mother and son, or if it's like another, it's really strange. I'm not, it's kind of incestuous a little bit at some points. Um, it's kind of really uncomfortable, but, so at one point he's kind of described as kind of being Egyptian mm-hmm. from what I understand. Like that's what I thought the ma- master was. And the only person I could think of was because I watched Aladdin. I was just thinking Mina Musal, the guy who played Aladdin, he's yeah. young enough. He's got the big eyes. Like he's got big eyes, you know, and just like they described in the master, I don't know, maybe he could be the guy, you know, he could, he could pass for like a young guy that could be somebody's son. I don't know. It's the only person I can think of for him. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody of Middle Eastern or Egyptian or something descent, you know. He's an interesting character. I would I I picture him as being bald. I almost pictured him as being um the guy who played the mummy in the Brandon Fraser movie. I knew you were gonna say that. I just I knew I don't know. Say I just pictured him as soon as they started talking about him in the book. Yeah, I could see that it's as well. I bet I had a feeling you were gonna say that the second you paused, <laughs> I went, Oh, he's gonna say the mummy. <laughs> That's so weird. But yeah, yeah, I can totally see that too. Yeah, so he's straight. a good actor, so he could pull it off. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, I don't know. How old is the dude now? <laughs> um, He's probably in his 50s, but 
do they ever mention his age in the book? Like, yeah, no, they don't. But I don't think he's going to be that old. If he's, mm-hmm. you know, at one point it's kind of alluded to that he's her son or something in these flashbacks. So yeah. I'm thinking he can't be much older than her, you know, and people didn't live that long back then. So <laughs> he might be a man child. That's true. Ooh, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I love how, I mean, the story is really cool. It deals a lot with reincarnation. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and how somehow these stories end up uh, reflecting their lives now. But the really cool thing I want to do next with you is I want to go over how if we picked a random group of animated characters, how would they take over these roles just for fun? So let me get some names and stuff from you and then we'll spin the wheel and see which characters we have to choose from. And then we'll cast them from that. Sound good. Yeah. Animated characters. Is it bad that I totally missed that, that prompt on the doc? (laughs) It's totally fine. This is an impromptu thing anyway. Okay. So don't worry about it. Let me pull up my, 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 uh, let me pull up my wheel here. (laughs) I already had some already put in. I'm trying to pick like pick actual cartoon shows or groups of cartoons. Like the only one I can say you can't do is Scooby-Doo because that happened last episode. Okay. <laughs> so like I said, I have like Looney Tunes. I have Mickey and Friends. I have Winnie the Pooh. I have like Ninja Turtles, Care Bears. That works. Yep. Okay. Let me spin. Spin, spin, spin. And we landed on the Care Bears. (laughs) I am not at all familiar with Care Bears. (laughs) Oh, you know, the Care Bears. There's basically a Care Bear for every mood. (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll go the obvious ones. I'll go based off of colors. Okay. So let's, let's just mainly, let's just do the main five Midnight Club kids. Okay. All right. So let's first start with Ilanka. Who do you think could play Ilanka? Is there a purple Care Bear? <laughs> I think that might be Share Bear. Okay. Share Bear. And you know what's really funny? Share Bear has two lollipops or something on, on her chest, which is kind of funny. It's almost like <laughs> half of and they're hearts. So it's like two parts of a soul. It's kind of weird how you chose that. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just think purple is kind of a good color for her. <laughs> I'm go- like I said, I'm going completely based off of colors. Purple has kind of this majestic kind of quality to it, but it's also, I don't know, it's kind of, it's deep, but it's pretty and magical. And I don't know, it just kind of... It's royal, especially, yes. too. Yeah. Which is funny because she has been royalty in the past, apparently. Yeah. So. That makes I sense. Know. I think a sh- sh- share bear. There you go. Share bear. Well, I think definitely Anya will be Grumpy Bear. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. Grumpy with Bear that. is Anya because the thing about Grumpy Bear is even though he's grumpy, he still cares. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with Anya. She still cared. Even at the end, she still cared, but, you know, she's grumpy. <laughs> very, very grumpy. And she has a good reason to be, I think. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I would say probably. Um, I would say Cheer Bear would definitely be Sandra, simply because she's 
she's peppy. She's up and going. She's, you know, obviously she's not sick as, as sick as everybody she's else. She's not dying. No, she's not. Um, but Funshine, Funshine could be Spence because Funshine just wants to have fun. But mm-hmm. I think Spence is kind of a mix of Champ Bear and Funshine. Champ Bear is just always wanting to win. And, you know, because Spence was always having these arguments and with uh, Anya and just kind of messing with her and wanting to win the argument in a way. And mm-hmm. and I kind of see a mix of those two. I know this is a really silly conversation. That's the whole point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would definitely say that Kevin is Tenderheart Bear, which is the leader. He's just the brown bear with the red heart on his stomach. And that's it. And I think just because he's the leader and in a way he kind of leads this group, in my opinion, I think he's the leader of the group. Yeah, he does seem seem to be. I was uh, going to say that way me. he seems to be the strongest of the group f- physically. Like, but then again, I think he's throughout the book. He's in quite a lot of pain, so maybe not. I, guess I think he is mentally be. the strongest. Like, he's probably the biggest support for everybody, but he needs the most support in a way, you know? Right. But yeah, so yeah, we just cast that. We just cast the Midnight Club with Care Bears. Can you believe that? That's going to be the Netflix adaptation. <laughs> Care Bears stare this cancer away. <laughs> Care Bears, the Midnight Club. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> that'd be so cool. <laughs> Each episode is a different stare from their stomach. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know it's silly. So, okay. So overall, let's talk about the overall adaptation of this. How we think, do you think it's going to take place today? Do you think it's going to take place in the nineties or the eighties? Like basically when it was written or like, when do you think is the setting? I was just looking at my notes for that. Um, I actually wrote that. I feel like they're going to bring it to the current day. I wish they would keep it in the early nineties just because that's when I was a kid and that's when the book is from and it just will give it that nostalgic vibe. And I think doing that with stranger things for the eighties really worked and kids have really taken to it. So they don't really have yeah. to bring it to the modern day I in order to get that. kids. And you to know connect. what they're doing that with um, uh, fear street. It's right. taking place in the nineties and then it goes back to the seventies and then to the 1800s. So, so excited. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> So yeah, they can definitely, they could definitely do it. But like you said, they'll probably do it for today. Um, there's not really any, it's not going to take away from anything, really, I don't think, because instead of writing letters, they can send emails or text messages. I mean, there's nothing too different, I think, that will happen. They might not have much cell service being the secluded, you know, mansion on the coastline, you know. There could be something about it or, you know, lack of Wi-Fi. There could be a lot of things they can explain away, I'm sure. I just hope it doesn't become hokey, you know? Right. Yeah. I think they'll definitely go the babysitter's club route and take it to modern day. Even and though which, you know, they did a good job adapting the babysitter's club for modern day without making it hokey. So I, I like that. Yeah. So I, I think that that will be really cool if they did it modern day, but I definitely, like we talked about earlier, which stories do you think will be adapted into the show? And the one thing I want to talk about, because, you know, they said they're going to be adapting these books. And we said, you know, most likely it's going to be an anthology. So which books do you think they'll pull from? I'm really hoping that they're going to pull from Whisper of Death, 
which was published a little bit before the Midnight Club. It's published in 1991. And this would be a really tough one to adapt. And I think they would have to take a lot of liberties with it in order to bring it to today's audience, uh, just because there, there are things in this book that will offend everybody. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's it's really weird and very existential. So in a way it would fit well with the midnight club, but it's about this teenage couple. They're both 18 Roxanne and pepper are their names. And they are going to the next town over to get an abortion because he got her pregnant and uh, she kind of wants to keep the baby. He doesn't. So they go to the next town order over to get the abortion. Things don't really go as planned. They come back to their town and everybody in their entire town has disappeared except for a handful of kids from their school. And they're trying to figure out what happened to everybody and what they have in common that would have made them remain in this town and be the only five Lord of the flies meets silent Hill. Yeah. It's very spooky and it gets into there. There's a lot of talk of uh, aside from abortion, uh, there being talk of suicide and what is the one thing that they have in common. And it gets very witchy and dark and I would love to see them adapt it. It would just be probably pretty difficult to do it, but I would be interested. Well, maybe, maybe they could do a thing like kind of what they did with Kevin's story, what he did with Kevin's story and he split it up, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe they would be a character would tell part of the story and then split it up to kind of give the viewer a break in a way, mm-hmm. but it could still like continue on, you know, every few episodes or so. Yeah, that would be cool to see. Um, I mean, even if they just, did like season one of the midnight club. And then season two was a different Christopher Pike story. Um, I think whisper of death would probably be the next one they would go for just because it seems to be the second most popular Christopher Pike book next to the midnight club. Well, from what I saw intrepid pictures, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. um, they tweeted out like, Hey, get ready, brush up on your Christopher Pike books. I mean, we're bringing this, you know, Mm -hmm. we're bringing you a new series on Netflix. And, of course, they showed three books in their post. Okay. The middle one was The Midnight Club. And on either side of The Midnight Club was Road to Nowhere and Eternal Enemy. I believe Eternal Enemy is about an evil VHS player. So probably evil Blu-ray or DVD, most likely. <laughs> I believe. I've not read that book, but I remember reading the the back of it and being like, is this really about an evil VHS player? <laughs> I have no idea. I have them um, all. And now that I have read the midnight club and enjoyed it, I immediately read whisper of death and I'm going to go through and just read everything else. So what I'm wondering is if they're going to tackle any of his trilogies or if they're just going to stick to the standalone books. That's a good question. Yeah. Cause he did. Remember, the actually, he's got like two trilogies really that are the main ones, which is remember me and the final friends trilogy. And then he's got like, I think, eight last vampire books, which to me, that should just be left alone and just do your own series on that. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, they were meant to do a series of that a while ago, and it just didn't go through. If or this goes over well, I'm sure it'll be brought back. <laughs> I'm sure. Ideal we brought back. Especially if Fear Street does well, they're going to bring back everything, which I'm so excited for. There's going to be a point horror TV show. I know. I know. Point oh, terror, my God. Which is weird. I don't know why they named it that, but whatever. <laughs> That is weird. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, they named it Point Terror. It's really strange. I don't know why. Huh. I know. The other ones I'm thinking they'll probably do would be, because the other 
once I did like a poll a little while back and I remember that remember me was a very popular answer to like, who, which one do you like the best? Right. And the other ones were last act, which was one that came out was one of his earlier ones, Mm -hmm. which is more of a murder mystery. It's no real supernatural element to it. It's just really just a murder mystery. And then there was monster, which is like demonic possession or something. And uh, master of murder, which are some of the ones that I remember talking to people who that were pretty popular. So I wouldn't doubt that those would probably be adapted at some point as well. Do them all. <laughs> Do them all, man. Um, <laughs> I really like, you know what, though? And I also think, even though it wasn't technically a Midnight Club story, I think Anya's story about her ex, Bill, and the statue she made and all that yeah. stuff, I think that will probably be one as well. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. It was. And then, oh, my God, the end. The end. Did when you the cry? Stat- oh, my God, he broke statue and the leg fell off and her leg is what happened a year later her leg had to get chopped off and then she dies and they find the statue and the statue the leg is put back on as if it had never broken oh my god i cried so hard (laughs) as as i'm reading it i'm like the leg's gonna be back isn't it isn't it and then sure enough like a couple paragraphs later there's the leg (laughs) (laughs) you do this to me yeah (laughs) so good okay Cameron it's gonna be all right (laughs) (laughs) that's funny oh god yeah but I definitely think that's totally gonna be in there and I you know what I kind of want to see I kind of want to see um Kevin's story the magic mirror Mm -hmm. with the angel even though it's 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 supernatural but it's not a scary one. It's nothing, you know, it's just kind of sad. It was beautiful though. I loved it. And if, if Mike Flanagan's doing it, he apparently likes to focus on the sad. (laughs) He'll, he'll He'll do it. He'll do that. And he'll absolutely do the ending of the book with the statue and its leg being back. That's just got Mike Flanagan all over it. He'll probably make it even more dramatic though. He'll probably change it up just a little bit just to make it just a little more dramatic. You know, they got to, because he knows that. He knows that everybody is reading this book now. And he's like, well, I got to change a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What I wonder is if they are working with Christopher Pike at all, which by the way, everybody, his name is actually Kevin Christopher McFadden. <laughs> he's very um, private. Very, very yeah, private. I- um, there's people have tried to uh, meet him at book signings and then they would go to these author panels and he would just not be there. He just didn't show up. Um, there's a video about that actually on YouTube of somebody trying to find Christopher Pike and not succeeding. Um, he just seems very shy, but there is an interview with him in a book called Paperback Crush by Gabrielle mm-hmm. Moss. And it's a really good interview. It's the first interview with him I ever read. And that was really cool getting to actually read his own words of him talking about how he came to to be a writer. I really wanted to get, I saw that there was a, uh, an interview with him on that and I just never got a chance to read it. I saw a screenshot of it and then I was like, well, I'll just get the book. And I just hadn't gotten around to getting it yet. So it's only like a page know. long, but it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I figured it would be, I mean, dude wrote like over 50 plus YA books. Right. And like you said, he wrote the Spooksville series, which was like a 24 books, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, I, like I said, I, I'm just like amazed at like the stuff that he wrote that was accepted as teen fiction. <laughs> yeah, he was very prolific and he was really pushing the uh, boundaries. Oh my God. It's not just the sex and not just the violence. It's like the existential dread that came along with it. It was just, man, this is deep for, 
Wow. But I mean, maybe some kids really needed to read it to connect. Maybe they were feeling just as deep and hurt and they needed that, you know, which would be great, you know, because there's the Christopher Pikes of the world. There's the R.L. Steins of the world, you know, and they're not the same. They're in the same area, but they're not the same. And I think people gravitated. The reason why R.L. Stein is so popular is because he had hints of stuff in there. He had hints of violence and hints of sex and Mm -hmm. and he didn't go too far. He made he left everything open, Mm -hmm. you know. Christopher Pike's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is what it is. Definitely this. By the way, there's no innuendo. <laughs> I'm going to flat out tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, and that's he, how makes I see you, it. So you, he makes you think about it too. It's not all just like in the open. There's a lot that you have to think about and ponder on. That's what I really liked about the ending of this one. And especially the ending of Whisper of Death. It's like, what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> I know, like, okay, so the end of this one, if you, for those of you who are still not familiar, the end of this, everybody's dead. All these kids have died, or at least the ones who had the actual illnesses died. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Elonka is the last to go. And she just kind of looks at the, she wakes up in the morning and looks at the sun, and then suddenly she starts seeing stars, and then she's gone. She's gone. And the next thing you see is that she, it is the epilogue, and somehow she has been reincarnated yet again <laughs> into the body of somebody named is. Yoskna, I guess. Yeah. And she's with her now, her new husband, Carlin. And they're, it sounds like they're going to be on a spaceship and yeah. go to a different galaxy and a different solar system. And maybe that's what Alonka was seeing with the stars as she was fading out. She was seeing her new life coming into being, I guess, maybe. I don't know. That's what I like to think. So sad, <laughs> but happy at the same time. But I'm like, don't oh, me, Cameron. Just, just you talking about it. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> oh oh there was something i wanted to talk to you about that was really weird to me so there was this i guess it was part of alonka's story at one point and she's talking about the rapture and how it was like how you had sex and it was spread out throughout the body i'm like isn't that tantric sex (laughs) isn't that what that is I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember that? No. So, you remember Sting. You know about tantric sex, right? Sting. Yeah. And the whole thing with tantric sex. So it yeah. was all about holding on to your orgasm and whatnot. Um, and then like misdire- redirecting it throughout your body and holding on to it as long as you can. And that's what exactly what the rapture is described as. <laughs> and this was just before the whole tantric sex thing really came about. So I'm thinking that's what this is. And he just called okay. it the rapture. I, I don't understand why I glossed over that but um you said that was in one of her stories yeah it was one in her one of her flashbacks and then at one point she says that she got reincarnated and then she became somebody else and then they gave her the power of the seedling which was oh. basically be able to like yeah, be yeah. a siren for men and like right men were yeah i remember that it, I think. yeah i was gonna say a lot of alanka's stories they that's the only negative i had with the book is that her stories tend to drag a little bit it and it really wasn't that they were boring. It's just that so much was going on in each one. And it was a little hard for me to keep up with them sometimes until about yeah, the they end. seemed to talk circles, especially the master. It was like, what are you saying? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was my only nitpick with the book is that her stories did kind of drag just a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I just, uh, I think my, my big nitpick with this was it wasn't as much of a thriller as I thought it was going to be. And that's I another thought there was thing. Gonna be people- you know, picking off the kids one by one or something like 
<laughs> or or yeah. a ghost was going to come back and kill somebody or, you know, but that wasn't I what it was. I feel like Mike Flanagan, Mike Flanagan is going to add in some more horror elements that really aren't in the book. Uh, I think he'll add in some, he always adds in ghosts in the background. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the hospice is going to be haunted by the ghosts of other kids who have died there. We'll see. Ooh, I bet you by the end of the damn series, it's going to turn out all these kids were already dead. Yeah. Meeting at midnight. <laughs> the whole time. That's what they're going to do. He's going to like, he's going to just completely wipe away the, the regular ending we got from this book. And it's like, you know what? All these kids were dead. Ha <laughs> ha. So we're all of the, uh, the workers, the old guy who runs everything. They're all dead. Dr. White. Santa Claus is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. No kids. I'm sorry. Santa Claus is not dead. <laughs> all right. Don't kill me for that. Thank you so much, Cameron. I really appreciate it. If anybody wants to find Cameron, you can find him at uh, on YouTube, uh, Book Movie Guy, or just Library Macabre, or Cameron Chaney. Either way, look him up. You'll find him. You can also find him on social media under Book Movie Guy, and get him on Gmail at bookmovieguy at gmail.com. And, you know, he's got, he's writing, guys. He's going he's gonna to come out with some new stuff eventually. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. I'm, I am, I'm more- I'm working on stuff. <laughs> Writing is hard, guys. Yes, and so is reading. <laughs> reading is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Cameron. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have any comments about the Midnight Club or this episode in general? Please reach out to me via email at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com or on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at DustinCanRead. And also... Please rate and review on iTunes or Spotify or Podchaser or wherever you listen to the show. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be alerted when I have new episodes. Until next time, Dustin can read. Dustin can read.